ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show, podcast, broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And the email address, if you want to contact us, give any listener feedback, ideas for future episodes, questions about anything we might say in this episode, the email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And uh, we're actually going to run a little bit of a, well, for lack of a, it's not really a contest. <laughs> uh, it's a, a sprint to email, maybe, um, depending when you're hearing this, hopefully sooner than later by radio or by podcast. Uh, I've got a book by Peter Kraft, Father. Uh, do you know who Peter Kraft is? I know who Peter Kraft is, yes. Who is he? He is a, uh, oh, oh, he is a uh, professor at Boston College and a scholar of uh, the beautiful and life-giving works of St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, he's a, he's a philosopher by trade, but written a number of great, very readable books. Uh, yeah, a convert uh, several, oh, a few decades ago now to the faith, uh, to Catholicism. He's written a number of, of great books, many of which just sort of defend the idea of Christianity in general, but certainly also Catholicism in particular. One of his books that came out just a, a couple years ago, Because God is Real, 16 Questions and One Answer. And I have a copy of that that I will give away to the first person who emails me and asks for it, apart from diocesan staff, because Father, right now, our producer is smiling and grinning, and I think thinking he can email me as we're recording this. Yes, yeah, so, but isn't there like a typical uh, broadcast uh, disclaimers about contests? Exactly, yeah. Employees yeah. or relatives' employees are not eligible. <laughs> they are not eligible to uh, to win this particular uh, uh, contest. So um, email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, and uh, if you're the first one, you will get a free copy of Peter Crave's book, Because God is Real, 16 Questions and One Answer. So Father, uh, for today, though, this episode, um, we're going to talk about, about two of the big feasts of the church that we are in the midst of, the Ascension, which uh, traditionally celebrated 40 days after Easter, Ascension Thursday, uh, many places around the world, including in our own province, our, in, our own diocese, it's transferred to the following Sunday. So we, as we're recording this, we just celebrated Ascension Sunday uh, a few days ago. And Can I quibble? Yes, please. Can I quibble? You said tradition has it 40 days after the Easter. Yes, the apostolic tradition, which is recorded, recorded within sacred scripture. <laughs> yes, sacred scripture attests. Which is part of apostolic tradition, of, of course. Uh, I mean, part of revelation. Yeah. Uh, in the catechism, it's part of apostolic tradition. We uh, can go down this road if you want. Are you quibbling back at me? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Don't quibble. So, anyway, quibbling aside... <laughs> All quibbling aside. All quibbling aside, and uh, and now we're 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 preparing now, uh, moving just days away from this is again as we're recording uh, from the the great feast of Pentecost, which we with which we will uh, conclude culminate the Easter season for this year. So, Father, just just uh, to and and sort of your 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 quibble actually, I think is is a good way to to get into uh, the, this topic or these in a sense two topics. The Ascension um, is is like everything else in the Gospels, a, a matter of historical fact. Jesus spent forty days after after the resurrection uh, with the apostles, and then. Um, uh, 
after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. And uh, Anything you think is, is worth pointing out just in terms of the historical facticity of that, or, or, or do you want to move straight into sort of the, the spiritual application of that reality to, for us today in the 21st century? I'm feeling kind of spiritual right now. Okay, let's go that way. I'm feeling the spirit. <laughs> So, what, so, okay, so let's just say it happened, Jesus ascended into heaven, to the right hand of God. What does that mean for us in the 21st century in South Dakota, or wherever you might be listening to this broadcast? I think it has a lot of great applications for us here in our own day, because uh, precisely because we live in such a material day, and a day that just focuses intensely on material things, uh, and not in a Madonna sort of way. Yes. Um, but uh, 1980s music reference. Ancient but, history for some. Or dear history for some. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, and so it has, has a lot of great applications for us in that regard, spiritual applications, again, of the final destiny of our humanity, of the dignity of our humanity being elevated all the more, um, a sign of promise for us and a, a, a promise to our hope that we have of salvation. All sorts of great things. So um, the, the thing that struck me, Father, along those lines, um, and maybe is, is to, to continue that, that thread, um, on Sunday, the, the reading, or, or Thursday, if, 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 we're, if you're listening to this somewhere where you celebrated the Ascension on, on Thursday, last Thursday, um, the, the, the gospel reading this year was from Matthew. We're in year A in the lectionary cycle, so Matthew's gospel. Matthew does not have um, a, a literal, formal account of the actual ascension. Uh, Luke records that uh, in both the gospel and in Acts, I think, right? Am I right about that? Right. Okay. But Matthew does not. Matthew, we read the very end of his gospel uh, where he speaks about all authority or all power uh, in the New American Bible translation. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go there, go therefore, make disciples, da 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 um, and, and behold, I'm with you always until the end or the close of the age. So he's been given, but he sits at the right hand of God. In a sense, in his, in his divinity, he was always there, but in his humanity now as well, he has been given full power and full authority. Uh, and that, 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 that has relevance for our lives, doesn't it? Oh, very much so. The, uh, we talk about it many times, the spiritual authority of the Church, the Church's authority to bind and to loose, uh, to make decisions uh, that, that have... And we don't like that in some ways. We don't right. Like the Church makes, uh, can make, has actual, the actual authority of Jesus, the actual authority of heaven. But but what's the positive side? What's the good side of that? that the great it, it, side is it, it, it uh, for those who are contrite, for those who are interested, it's our friend, it's our helper, it's our right, it's a great blessing. So he's been given this authority, this power, and then he shares it um, with us. Uh, I, I I think I think um, recording this on Wednesday, uh, the whatever today is third or fourth. The the reading I think from t- f- the one of the, the psalm response for mass today speaks about how God shares his his strength and his power, his power and his strength uh, with his people. So all this authority that Jesus was given by the Father. Jesus, the, the the word of God incarnate, he doesn't hoard for himself. He shares it 
as you said, with the church, and therefore, uh, in a way, with each one of us. So how, how can I live that out? And, and any thoughts, Father, and how, how I can live out that authority, that power, that strength, that Jesus, who has received it all from the Father, that he shares with me? How can I live that out in my daily life? Well, I think to, to daily pray in the name of Jesus, to call in the name of Jesus, to put yourself under the authority of Jesus is a great way to daily live that. Um, it's like when we fight against uh, frustration, temptation, discouragements that might come our way. Uh, you know, a great and wonderful prayer. You know, in the holy name of Jesus, I renounce this spirit of discouragement or temptation, whatever we might name it to be. And in the same name of Jesus, I uh, command it to the wounds of, the, of Christ on the cross or to the foot of the cross. Um, so praying for some in some spiritual authority in the spiritual authority of Jesus that we've received in our baptism and our confirmation. Right, and I was just going to say this. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was saying that's one good way. And that that reminds me of of what we talked about a few episodes back uh, with during the Easter season, living out our baptismal um, vows, our baptismal promises, and and likewise the the graces that we receive at confirmation as well. This is this is another dimension of that reality, isn't it? Then very much so. So what else about the Ascension uh, do you think uh, is, is of note for us in, in striving to, to live our lives as disciples today? Any, anything else come to mind, or do you want to move on? Oh, very much so. I think um, another good thing is the whole idea of our dignity. Okay. Uh, that, uh, again, you, what is your destiny, and destiny even of your body, mm. right? So, uh, what is our human dignity? And, that, and that's important because we, we claim dignity all the time, especially in our American culture, but we don't often talk about what's the source of dignity. Right. And so we claim dignity, we claim rights. What is the source of those rights? And if we don't pay attention to the source of rights, it's more easier for those rights to be removed from us. So, so how does that tie into the, the, the celebration of the, the, the recalling and celebration of the ascension? What is it about the ascension that, that tells me something about the source of my dignity? So there's a couple of things that tell us that, uh, that, that source in the ascension. Number one is, uh, again, that, that our human nature is, is taken to God himself by God himself, mm. as it was in the incarnation, but now in a full way. Uh, some theologians will talk about the ascension as uh, the Father showing his acceptance of the offering of Jesus. So Jesus offers himself uh, in sacrifice on the cross, and just like you know, the smoke of incense rises up to heaven as a sign of sacrifice being accepted, so in his bodily rising up to heaven, uh, God is accepting that uh, sacrifice, not just the spirit of Jesus, not just the heart of Jesus, uh, but the very flesh, human flesh and bones resurrected now, human flesh and bones of Jesus up into heaven. Gotcha. So, so that, again, he, the, his divinity was always there, but now that, that humanity, he brings that, in a sense, with him and, and presents it to the Father. Then. And that humanity is no different, <clears throat> uh, no different uh, than the humanity of, uh, of me, of you, of any of you, dear listeners. Uh, it's, it's the exact same humanity exact same uh, physical humanity, exact same mental intellectual uh, humanity, just the same capacity for memory, all those things taken up to the Father. Uh, presented to the Father, given to the Father in that sense then. And accepted by the Father. And accepted by the right, right. Right. So he accepts that rebellious, uh, cre- uh, he accepts those rebellious uh, creation of his 
now restored to relationship through Jesus. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we, we talk about that with, the, we, we've talked about this before with the incarnation, but yet the, the point that you're emphasizing, Jesus' human nature is the same as our human nature, except without sin. It's, it's you know, it's a, ours is flawed, but his is, is perfected, but it is nonetheless the same human nature. Correct. And so those flaws that we have can be purified and we can be accepted. The other thing to think about that, too, with that human dignity we're talking about is the idea of um, that, that you have this capacity to be dignified, you have, or not you have this capacity to be dignified, but you have a capacity to be sanctified. Um, I believe it's it St. John Paul II who has this wonderful quote, um, you are not the sum of your uh, sins and failures, you are the sum, rather, of the Father's love for you, right. of your real capacity to become the image of his Son. Mm. So what does that mean, unpack that? Well, so we often want to limit ourselves, lower ourselves to just thinking of ourselves in terms of our sins, our sinfulness, our faults. But uh, what the Father desires is for us to be known by, and for us to know ourselves by the fact that he loves us, and that we can become an image of Jesus Christ. Not a physical image, I've got a beard, uh, but a spiritual image, uh, obedience to the Father, love of God, love of our neighbor, selflessness, all those things. Hmm. Okay, so... Well, I've got I've got a a question for you, or well, and a, a question that I often that I've wondered myself. I've got an answer. I'd be curious to hear about yours, but I don't want to cut off you. I don't want to cut you off in case you have another gem on the ascension. So, uh, what else about the spiritual well, application? Well, just that it gives witness to this of the immensity of our soul. What does we that mean? Our, well, we think of our soul as something small or insignificant because it isn't material. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't, you know, tap it. Right. Um, but uh, the soul is real, and the soul is actually the, the biggest and most immense part of us because of that capacity to be the image of Jesus, because of that capacity for love, for generosity, for selflessness, for faith, for courage, for justice, for all those wonderful things. So in that sense, can we enlarge it even more then? I mean, can we increase the immensity of our soul insofar as we, we live and act more justly with greater faith, greater love, etc.? Yes. Very much so, that, and that, that is the growth. That is the growth of what we call our spiritual life, the life of our spirit. Okay. What was your question? And I'm curious now because that was a long and obvious pause. <laughs> so here's my question, and if you want me to, if you want to think about it, and I'll give my my the answer I've arrived at. I'm happy to do it. Or if you've got initial thoughts, I'd, I'd love to hear them first. Um, why did he have to go? Why, why, why did the ascension have to? Jesus ascended. He, he, he's not. He's here with us sacramentally and spiritually, but in in the sense that I I, I can't see him the way I can see you when you're sitting across from the studio. Um, why did Jesus have to go? What's well, and, and even more scandals. He says it's better that I go. Right. Yeah. Why is it better? Wouldn't it be? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you know? <laughs> We would we, we, go we, to Jerusalem right now and to see him. Exactly, he could be on TV for goodness sake. He could be doing a podcast instead of you and me. I know. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's the Jesus Show. Sorry. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, ruler of the world. I mean, when to, w- w- 
why why is it better I, to you know i, I think in, in a certain way the, the the initial thought is better jesus i think it'd be better if you stayed we could see you and you could do your thing today as you did 2000 years ago this goes precisely to our point on the immensity of the soul Okay, so so and it actually and it leads to our next feast, the feast of Pentecost. It does, um, but what is, do you? Is that the connection you're looking for? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, I know it, it's connected, but I, how, so how do you answer that question? Well, okay, so it's better that we that, that he go because then the Holy Spirit comes. And it is the Holy Spirit who we who gives us access to, and we gain access to through the Holy Sacrament. So you mean it was impossible for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit without the ascension? No. Why couldn't no. he, why could he stay and send the spirit to me? <laughs> can, can I? I'm laughing myself because I'm going to make a uh, kind of uh, petty answer. Please, I'm whining. It's it's a why whining. Why are you smarter than the Son of God? I'm I'm not smarter. I'm just, I don't understand and I want to understand. So that's you have the, faith, though. Are sure. You faith seeking understanding. Yes, I am. So, oh, I, by the way, I do have an answer to that question. I was just curious if what yours would be. What? Well, my answer is going to be that because then Jesus uh, is to be lived and to be seen, to be found in the souls and the lives of those who follow him. Right, and that's that's very close to the, the answer that I, I arrived at. I would go to it from the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, where he's addressing Theophilus again. Yep. We had this uh, for the Ascension reading, whether on Thursday or Sunday. Uh, where he says, Most excellent Theophilus, you've heard of all the things that Jesus began to do. He began to do. So like a imperfect tense, yes? Yeah. So Jesus is still doing. And who is he doing things through if his body is ascended to heaven, but his body on earth, the Church, invigorated uh, by the Holy Spirit as the body of Christ himself, his own corporeal body, was invigorated by his soul. Yes. And, and and so this is this is also re- again related to that um, m- how I ended up answering my own question. If if, if Christianity is an encounter with with uh, Jesus Christ um, and through Him the Father and the Spirit, um, if Christianity is is a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, both of things which Benedict said and Pope Benedict has said explicitly, and of course echoing his his successor and his predecessor, et cetera, et cetera. If that is the case, and if Jesus were walking the earth, say, in, in, in Palestine in, or Jerusalem or the Holy Land, I, to me, actually, if you just if playing that out, I think that would be more of an obstacle in, in, in another way for us to have a personal relationship. Yeah, on the one hand, it might be great if I could actually see Jesus on TV or whatever, or maybe if he came, you know, flew here or whatever, <laughs> um, appeared here, I guess, in his glorified body. Um, but but maybe I would be less inclined to think that I could really have a relationship with him because he's way over there. So how can I ever have a relationship with him when he's in Bethlehem? Right. Well, um, I have no friendship with anyone in New York City. Exactly. Right. Sorry for all you listeners. <laughs> but that, that, that's, the, I think, you know, it, it is better that he go uh, be, because... It, uh, by not being physically present merely in one location, um, he he is able to be present to me and to each of us, 
wherever we are, where we all are, uh, which which I think w- it would have just at a, at a human level would have made us more. It would have been harder for us to grasp if he were still present uh, in in his physicality, in the sense of you know actually being able to see his his body. So, you know, although it is uh, difficult in some ways to grasp the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Which leads us then to the the next feast that we are there. That we're now preparing to celebrate uh, Pentecost. Uh, Jesus, Downhill slide to Pentecost. Yes, sir. So, uh, as you mentioned, Jesus said, "It's better that I go so that I can send the Spirit." So we we celebrate um, the the sending of the Holy Spirit. My 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 kids and I have been talking about what Pentecost is, and they they, they say something like, um, because they're young, so they tend to um, repeat what they hear others say, whether it's mom and dad or whether it's uh, a sibling. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit descended on the 12 apostles and gave them power to speak in, they say, all languages, many languages, to proclaim the gospel to, to, to people. That's something like that. And, and in a nutshell, that's, that's what happened, isn't it, Father? It is. So this, this powerful manifestation of the Spirit um, coming down, resting upon not just the apostles, but, but many of the other disciples as well, and, and they were able, through the power of the Spirit, to proclaim the gospel in many languages. Um, and, and, and we see, you know, Father, one of the interesting things to me about that, just biblically, the sort of the, the, how that's the mirror opposite of a much, much, much older uh, episode in Scripture, that is the Tower of Babel, where God came down, and people had been speaking in, in, in a common tongue, and now they're trying to do something in a sense to 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 conquer or to elevate themselves to the level of God, to conquer heaven, so to speak. And God confuses them, gives them many languages. Now God is speaking many languages, but it's 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 a harmony, it's a richness, it's a depth where He allows that diversity to proclaim the one gospel to all peoples. Right, and to even take that spiritual view of Babel that it wasn't just like a, a divine finger coming down, like confusing their languages, but it was sin in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, original sin has entered the world, of course, before the story of the Tower of Babel, and sin is proliferating and spreading throughout the world in the hearts of men and women. And so in the Tower of Babel, as they aspire in their pridefulness to make themselves like God, when you know, none of us is like God, uh, or at least we're far from being close to God, uh, we can't rival God. And it's in their pride in their hearts that leads to that division, that divisiveness of the languages in that regard. And so the same way the reunification of mankind comes through uh, the rebirth of his spirit. So this powerful setting of the spirit on Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago, Father, what does that mean for us today, nearly 2,000 years later? Well, uh, one is, again, to be, uh, as we talked about, living in the authority of Jesus to live in the power of the Holy Spirit would be the first and most obvious thing. So, living in the authority, say, say that again. As we talked about living in the authority of the ascended Jesus. Yes. We, uh, as you talked about being seated in the right hand in power and glory. So we uh, should live in uh, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit descends, descended the apostles, but he descended upon us in a real way at our baptism, at our confirmation, comes to us in all the other sacraments as well. And so we should um, live in that spirit just as the apostles did then. Right, so every time we confess Jesus is Lord, it is the Holy Spirit who, who is present. Every time we crowd and say, Our Father who art in heaven, every time we call God Father, it is by the Holy Spirit. 
So the the spirit works in us even when we're unaware. Yeah. Uh, we 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 may not realize it's him doing it, but he is the one moving our hearts, prompting us to say, to act, to think, to do something. Yes. Can I give a, a, an analogy of that? Please. So I'm down at Broomtree uh, working on the 30-day spiritual exercises, and uh, for my recreation and uh, health, I have a bicycle that I ride. And uh, I went out for a ride on Sunday night. There have been some storms around here, and uh, the rain finally stopped, so I skipped dinner to go for a bike ride and get some exercise. So I figured I ate a big lunch, and I've got room to spare. <laughs> and I looked at the weather a little earlier, and I saw the wind was coming from the south. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go south and then come back north for my bike ride. Nice. Right? I'm going. I'm like, wow, this is easy. This is no wind at all. Uh-oh. Yeah. So I'm like, this is great. I'm flying. I... I get to the turnaround point, and I'm just, I am cooking. I look at my watch, and I've gone almost five miles in 13 minutes. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> and then I turn around, and all of a sudden, whoosh, the wind is there. So the wind had moved to the north. Oops. And the time between, I looked at the weather and actually went out for the bike ride. Uh, yeah. And so, but again, that whole idea of like, oh, the Holy Spirit was there the whole time. Just as the wind was there the whole time pushing me as I was flying along to my record pace. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't realize he, that's the the wind was helping you, but it it was there. And okay, just so too in our spiritual lives, the spirit is is there even when we don't realize it. Right. What else in terms of we got a, about two and a half minutes left, Father? Any any other any other insights on and how we can live the pun intended spirit of Pentecost? Well. I think them to be to know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and to seek them, to cultivate them, to identify them in our lives. So, so what are those seven gifts, Father? They are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. And you just, where, where we, is, is the church just make those up? Where, where do those come from anyway? No, the church receives them from the prophet Isaiah. Oh, the Bible. Yes. So, so and, and the catechism does offer a very very short, but 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 uh, some some reflection on the gifts and the fruits of the spirit as well. But uh, the, the gifts. Galatians chapter five verse twenty two. There you go. So so reflecting on those, praying on those. Um, the Easter season formally ends with Pentecost, but certainly living in that spirit of Pentecost throughout ordinary time, which we'll resume with um, afterwards, uh, would, would maybe be a good way to continue to live that spirit of Pentecost then. Right, and, and so although it might seem odd that we don't get an octave for Pentecost, which uh, would be pretty darn cool, uh, the whole time after Pentecost really should be a Pentecost time. In a sense, that's also part of the meaning of the green vestments, that uh, the Holy Spirit, like unseen sap in a tree, is that which provides life to the Church, just as the sap moving through the tree or through a plant provides its green life and growth. So growth in life in the church comes through the Holy Spirit who sanctifies in those sevenfold gifts. So just as green is a sign of life in, 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 in plant life uh, across the world, so too in the spiritual life, there's that application there. Very much. And, in true shall be, uh, and our Lord spoke quite a bit about trees, and with probably a clear lef- reference to ourselves and to the church in the sense of uh, uh, the tree shall be known by its fruit, and his cursing of the tree that bear no fruit, that bore no fruit, the fig tree. So we we should live out in that spirit of Pentecost, calling on the Spirit, um, seeking to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit as well, um, that we might bear fruit in our own lives. Amen. Amen. 
So with that, Father, we'll, we'll wrap up this episode. Um, again, I mentioned the, at the, the outset our email address, my email address, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. would also mention that you can find past episodes of Ignition online at the Diocesan website, www.sfcatholic.org. Go to the media section, and under the audio files, you'll find all the past episodes of Ignition. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you with the glorious seat of Pentecost. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.